0: Welcome to another episode of Civicus Voices with me, Arti Narsi. The global cost of living crisis has been met with a crackdown on the rights of working people in every region of the world. From Eswatini to France to Korea, workers' demands for labour rights have been ignored and their dissent has been met with increasingly brutal responses by state authorities. We continue the season by looking at workers' rights protests and mobilizations from across the world that have brought about real change. The 10th edition of the Global Rights Index, recently released by the International Trade Union Confederation, shows that this year has seen violations of workers' rights reach record highs. It found that 9 out of 10 countries violated the right to strike with workers from Canada, Togo, Iran and Cambodia, as well as Spain, facing criminal prosecution or dismissal. The right to free speech and assembly was restricted in 42% of countries, often resulting in protesting workers facing police brutality. Earlier this year in France, peaceful protests over pension reform were met with police violence, unlawful arrests and tear gas. In Iran, teachers were arrested and beaten by police for taking part in May Day demonstrations. The International Labour Organization found that one in five key workers, or essential workers in high-income countries, is an international migrant. Along with domestic workers, temporary workers, and workers in the informal economy, migrant workers are among the most vulnerable. In today's show, we'll speak to an activist fighting for the rights of migrant workers in Taiwan and hear more from a trade unionist about the recent strikes by undocumented domestic workers in Belgium. Let's get started. Like many nations grappling with an aging population, Taiwan relies heavily on a foreign workforce to address its growing domestic labor shortage Amidst this, however, the country's laws protecting the rights of migrant workers remain incomplete and lags behind the rapid movement of people. These members of the workforce often find themselves in exploitative conditions. They are subjected to poor and unsafe working conditions, inadequate accommodation and frequent occupational hazards. To tell us more about this and about the ongoing fight for workers' rights, we're joined by Lenin Ying Dao Wong, the Director of Migrant Policies at Serve the People Association. The association works to improve the environment for migrant workers in Taiwan. Lenin, welcome to Servicus Voices. Could you tell us more about the labor conditions and other challenges that migrant workers face in Taiwan?
1: So there are over 700,000 migrant workers in Taiwan, totally from four countries, from Indonesia, Vietnam, the Philippines, and Thailand in several major sectors, including the factories or manufacturing, domestic workers, and also the fishing sectors. Each sector, they might have different challenges and problems. For example, for the domestic workers, most of them are caretakers. Most of them, they have to stay with the patient. They don't have their own rooms and they are super vulnerable to be abused by anyone in the house. The sexual or physical violence is often and rampant among the domestic workers, and they don't have the protection of the labor laws in Taiwan. So they don't have the minimum wage. More than one third never have a day off all year round. And for the factory workers, the most important problems might be the lack of overtime and unequal working condition, as well as the unsafe occupational conditions. The last part, and also one of the most vulnerable sector, the fishing sector. In general, they all have very common problems like super long working hours and illegal deduction of salary, and sometimes the physical violence from the captain or some Taiwanese officers on the ship. And there are some other common problems for most of the migrant workers in Taiwan. Number one is the placement fee and the debt bondage from the placement fee because they have to pay a very big amount before they arrive in Taiwan. And it will become a loan that they have to pay monthly in Taiwan. And most of them, their IDs, the passport and ARC is usually withheld by the employer. So all of these make them very vulnerable. I will say most of them, if not all, they are very easy to be trapped as forced labor or human trafficking condition.
0: Serve the People Association was started in 2008 to help local workers caught in labor disputes. But you then started working with migrant workers, Can you tell us how did you discover this gap in terms of vulnerability of migrant workers?
1: Why we started to work for the migrant workers? One is that we know the migrant workers are the most vulnerable sector in Taiwan. And second is we know the chance that we can have shelter, so we can have some resources to work for them. So along along the nine years, we already sheltered more than 1,700 migrant workers in our three shelters. And we also try to help the migrant workers to form their own trade unions.
0: Have you faced any specific challenges or resistance in your efforts to advance migrant workers' rights in Taiwan? And if you have, how would you have overcome these challenges to continue your work?
1: Yeah, certainly. Certainly because our major work is to raise the working condition of the migrant workers and to eliminate the exploitation on them. So the first obstacle is the pre-existing power structure. Most of the employers, they are already used to this super exploitative mechanism, this chain of exploitation. It's like the employers, they exploit the brokers. In that's the reality of in Taiwan. They don't pay the brokers. So for the employers, the services from the agency, from the recruitment agency, from the brokers, is free. They enjoy their services, they enjoy the recruitment, uh, scanning of workers, uh, and also the transportation, and the paperwork, the documentation, the application. Everything was done by the brokers. Most of the companies, I mean the factories, they don't even hire translators. And also the management of the dormitories, and the brokers, they have to pay kickbacks, pay the money to the employers. This is the open scandals in Taiwan. It's actually, it's an economic crime. So in this system, how they can get the money? Of course, from the migrant workers. And that is exactly why the placement fee or any kind of fees is so high, so terrible. So eventually, if we want to change anything, we will encounter the resistance from the brokers and the employers. There have been so many times that the brokers, they try to do propaganda on us. It happened like that for several times. They did it to us and also to other uh, NGOs for migrant workers. So even we have this kind of uh, unhappy recurrence, we still continue for what we are doing. And we believe eventually we will win step by step.
0: How can people get involved in helping organizations like yours in achieving a more just and equitable labor environment for all workers, both in Taiwan and globally?
1: I think for anyone outside of Taiwan in the world, people can try to know more about the real situation of the migrant workers in Taiwan and try to reveal their story, their collective stories or their individual stories and to let more people to know that's the situation. And we should have a collaborative campaign against the exploitation to the migrant workers or the all the workers as a whole. We are collaborating with some monitoring groups like the electronics watch. So we want to monitor the whole supply chain. So the buyers, they should know, we don't want the sweatshop products from those companies that abuse the migrant workers. So no matter what kind of products you buy, maybe the seafoods, electronic devices, your cell phone, your computer. Actually, many of these products are made or caught from Taiwan by the migrant workers. So if you know more, we can let more people to be aware. And the pressure from the international society, both from the government side or from the brand side, will greatly influence the practices of the employers and the governments in Taiwan. We also welcome the support in legal channels to help our work to be more influential and successful for the migrant workers. So I'm very grateful if there's anyone who's willing to help us or work with us.
0: In addition to the challenges faced by migrant workers in Taiwan, What are some of the broader issues or trends concerning workers' rights globally that you think are important for our listeners to understand?
1: Yeah, just following what I said, I think it's very important for everyone to know that everything we buy are made by workers. So we should be aware of who are the producers, how the workers were treated before we get these products. I think some people already know the condition of the uh, Uyghur workers from Xinjiang in China who are in a slave-like condition. So the cotton from Xinjiang has been banned in many countries in the world. This is a good example. And also the seafood. There are several ships already sanctioned by the U.S. government. So those ships, they cannot dock in any American ports and all of of their products cannot be sold to the American market. So sections like these should be encouraged to penalize the abusers in Taiwan and in anywhere in the world. So the bad behaviors from those companies who abuse the workers will not be tolerated anymore. We shouldn't buy the products from the companies who are abusing their workers, regardless of their nationality. I think that is a general point and general message which we should have. I want to convey to all of our listeners, if more and more people in the world are aware of the workers' rights, it will be better and better and also be very helpful for the campaigners and labor activists like us to work. So we are looking forward to work with everyone from the world.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on Civica's Voices. Lynn highlighted how precarious the situation is for migrant workers. And when it comes to unfair labour practice, there aren't many avenues to really voice their concerns. Many of them cannot even protest. And it is important for all of us to pay attention to the conditions under which products that we purchase are made. For example, we know that there is major exploitation of workers in the fast fashion tech and e-commerce industries we've just heard that migrant workers are often unable to fully realize their right to peaceful assembly partly due to their vulnerable status that they find themselves in on 16th june 2022 international domestic workers day A group of undocumented domestic workers in Brussels, Belgium, made history by leading their first ever strike. They took to the streets to demand decent working conditions and regularization. Even though domestic work plays a crucial role in society, it is often undervalued and underpaid. And it is carried out by women, with migrant women, black women, women of color and others at the intersections disproportionately impacted. In Belgium alone, an estimated 80,000 domestic workers live and work in an irregular situation, which often leaves them vulnerable to abuse and exploitation. For a view from the front line, we spoke to Eva-Maria Jimerez lamas from the Belgian Trade Union Confédération des Syndicats Chrétiens. Eva is one of the coordinators of the historic strike and a leading voice in the fight for the rights of undocumented domestic workers in Belgium and beyond.
2: Hi, my name is Eva-Maria Jiménez-Lamas, and as a trade union, we decided to defend undocumented workers because they were workers the Confédération des syndicats chrétiens in Brussels, decided to create a new group, a specific group of the undocumented workers. But I mean, more than 95% of the domestic workers who are coming at my office for service were women. For us, it was important to open a place, a safe place to those women where they were involved to make them visible and to use an intersectional approach, because that could give us the opportunity to analyze the oppression, the overexploitation in an economic approach, also of course a racial approach, because those women are racialized, and of course also anti-patriarchal perspective. There are some European directives on the regional and the federal competencies, but it is not not possible right now to confirm a woman who want to file a complaint against her oppressor employer against her abuser there is no possible confirmation to tell her yes you are protected no it is not the case right now those women if they want to file a complaint in a police department, they can face a detention. So what we wanted to remind by calling out politics, by raising awareness in a very sensitive, in a very unique way, you know, because these women are playing a fundamental role in our society. This is a very clandestine sector, and we wanted to recognize their work and to highlight that the restrictive measures against migrants are forbidding a condition of dignity, equality, injustice at a very European level, but also at a very international level. So for us, it was really important, you know, to show through a strong Action that we are trying to make them real in our different actions. We decided going on strike was really important for us. Our Domestic Workers League decided to create a whole new parliament, the new parliament of the undocumented migrant domestic workers to be visible. So it was the first year, last year, in front of the European Parliament. We create history, I think, because it was the first ever strike of undocumented workers in Belgium and maybe in Europe. So our event was imagined, was structured through two main parts. Of course, the most important one, historic part Took place in the morning where our Domestic Workers League called an event, sort of a courthouse, in front of the real courthouse in the Place Poulart, against the lack of response of the Brussels government and the domestic workers played a specific role. They were both judges, but also victims. I mean, we wanted to show those women as political actresses, but also theater actresses. That's why they played their own role of victims accusing and denouncing that lack of response at a political level. And so we had a debate with the Minister of Employment, and we had another debate in that courthouse of political courage, or maybe it's better to call it the trial of the lack of political courage, because our activists wanted to present their precarious working conditions, how they were abused, how it was possible for the oppressors, for the employers to overexploit them, how it wasn't possible for them to file a complaint against the abuser because they had no documents. So for us, the idea was to show, you know, the the continuum of exploitation from the country where they were born until the overexploitation they were facing here in Belgium, in the whole country. So eight political parties agreed with our demands and adopted the motion in a very official way. They defended our venue in the Brussels Parliament, of course, and even they supported the Domestic Workers League in their demands. It was important to highlight the fact that our demands were not only activist demands, these were political demands. This is an obligation and I think that our theatre event was a very artistic and very visible way to show everybody that it is time now, all of us, we have the right to denounce the situation and to confront them in front of their responsibilities.
0: That was Belgian trade unionist Eva Maria Lama talking to us about the ongoing fight for the rights of undocumented domestic workers. The demands of those who are undocumented often go unheard because of their legal situation, so it's important for trade unions to make this issue more visible. And I want to highlight that care work provided by domestic workers is often invisibilized, so we really need to start recognizing this as a crucial part of the economy. I also think it's amazing to see the creativity of the strike movement in Belgium, where people are expressing themselves through art and role-playing to convey an important message to the government. That's it for this episode. While we focus this episode on workers' rights, we heard how the situation for migrant workers is even more challenging, so it's crucial that we shine a spotlight on the demands that these workers are making. I also want to take a moment to reflect on accountability, We all have to continue to put pressure on big companies and brands to make better choices. They need to have better policies, labor conditions, and support for workers. For more information on the ongoing fight for the rights of both local and migrant workers in Taiwan, you can visit the Serve the People Association website. You can also have a look at the International Trade Union Confederation's Global Rights Index online. It provides a comprehensive review of workers' rights in law that ranks 149 countries, and it's the only database of its kind. You can also follow Civicus online and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for more information on how to support workers and the fight for workers' rights in your region and worldwide. Don't forget to subscribe, listen, and rate this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you to all our guests for sharing their experiences with us today and to you for listening. Civicus Voices is produced by Alna Schütz, Jermaine Gricher and the Civicus team. My name is Artie Narsi. Until next time, goodbye.